Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jared Pickney, and today I am joined by Chuck Long, who was the regional educator for the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission for 25 years. Yep, about 25 years, 31-year career, 31-plus year career with the Game and Fish, just retired um, in June of last year. It really doesn't seem to matter, though, because anywhere I go, I get to, still getting these Game and Fish questions. You know, pe- <laughs> people uh, got, got one yesterday, as a matter of fact, you know, some lady called, said, Hey, we've got a school program coming up we need help with. Who do I call? So I still get a lot of that, and I don't mind that. That's um, who you are. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I guess I'm just a gaming fish guy around here. So, but that, that's quite all right. That's, that's quite it, all right. There's a lot worse things you can do. Uh, you're exactly right there. <laughs> so, what exactly does a regional educator do? Well, you know, I just did uh, education, and, and, and that, that role, um, that position changed dramatically throughout my career. You know, when I started back, I would have started. I actually started the game in fish in 91 and, uh, um, working at fish hatchery at Corning and, um, um, in, in 96, 97, I, I applied for the education job and I'd been doing some school programs while I, while I was at the hatchery and, you know, I, I never really had the, uh, the thought of being a game warden when I started the game in fish, that that was never really in my head. Mm. But I wasn't really sure where to go, um, and, and uh, but I applied for that education job in 90s, 96, 97, somewhere in that time frame. Got it, and at that time, I covered 20 counties. I went from here to Mariana, and at that time, we really, education-wise, we were doing, you know, boater ed, um, a little bit of boater ed, um, but mainly hunter education and doing some school programs, and then... You know, when I wrapped up my career, then we had boater ed, we had hunter ed, we had uh, archery in the schools, we had shooting sports program, hooked on fishing, not on drugs. We had uh, uh, we were doing a lot of teacher workshops. So, so the position really changed dramatically over the years, and I I was very fortunate to be have some input and be a part on a lot of those changes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the, the education portion, of the gaming fish is is. To me, very vital in this state, just getting the, the word out to the kids about the outdoors. I, I tell you, uh, over my career, um, one of the most, uh, uh, I guess, f- astonishing things to me, I guess you would say, was the number of schools I would go into. Of course, you know, I grew up out here east of Paragool. Sure. I, I was always outdoors, and, and I, you know, my class, I went to Curlridge Academy, and, you know, a lot of my classmates, um, and I'm sure the same could be said for tech and Paragool at the time. I mean, we were we we knew about the outdoors, mm-hmm. but it was always and 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 this grew. I saw it grow in my career. How little our kids know about the outdoors. Oh yeah. How how very little information yeah. they truly have. Now, you want you want to know about uh, lions and tigers and stuff they'd see on Discovery or Sasquatch or uh, you know stuff like that. Yeah, they they got some info on that, but. Man, you go to talking about uh, uh, skunks and and uh, squirrels. Uh, the, they just didn't know a lot. Oh, absolutely. And so, so you know, that that was one of my goals as um, I worked is to just get out from the information. You know the and uh, you know I, I talked about hunting and fishing um, and the importance of that. But it, my goal was not to make everybody hunt and fish. I mean, our resources probably couldn't handle that. But it was to make them aware of how important hunting and fishing is and how important that is has been. In, in the lifestyles of Arkansans for, you know, ever since Arkansas has been here and ever since the United States has been here. Mm. What 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 are we missing by not getting our kids out into nature more? You know, I, I just think it's just that that I think there there when we were kinda of talking about this, uh, Chris and I were talking about this before. I think there is just something there. I think it's something um that that we're born with god put that in there in us it, this desire to be outdoors to, mm-hmm. to to enjoy nature to see nature and to understand nature i, I don't even know how to describe it I, I you know i've been doing this for you know 30 plus years now i don't know how to describe it even at this point but there is something there yeah you know you take a kid a a, a, a five-year-old kid i got my granddaughter right now she's two and a half I, like i said they're living with us right now and uh uh, uh she wants a ranger ride every day she wants to go outside and look at horses, look at goats, look at flyers. I don't know what it is. I, I you know, if you could mm-hmm. come up with the with the answer and and the the the, the way to solve that problem, man, you 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 you'd be a, a rich man. But I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what drives that in us. 
I just think God put that in yeah. there in us, and I think it's a, a natural, um, that natural desire to enjoy the outdoors, to see the outdoors, and to be part of the outdoors, and have an understanding about that. And I, I think we drift away. Our kids drift away from that now. At about you know five, six, seven years old, they start being pulled inside and yeah, right yeah, looking at a phone, and you know, so so we 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 tend to. I, I really think. I, and and I always hear this. I always hear this statement. I don't agree with this statement. I hear this statement. Our kids have changed so much now. Yeah. To me, our kids have not changed. Um, our, our, we have changed. Yeah, Adults have changed. changed yeah. Parenting styles have changed. And, and I think that's something that that concerns me. So as I was doing education, I always found it very important. To, to not only talk to the kids, but, but talk to the adults about the yeah. importance of getting their kids out there. Yes. You know, there's nothing like um, a kid, uh, a five-year-old kid catching their first fish. They all smile. They all get excited. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and I've been fortunate to see that in my career and over and over many times. And I, and I think that, that desire is there. How do we foster that more? I think it's just a matter of taking time to do that. Chris, look up uh, on the computer. Look up a nature deficit disorder. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. uh, there's a there was a book. I can't think of the, the author. Uh, uh, he's gonna oh, he's gonna tell us. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, is this Richard Louv? Richard Louv. Yep. Um, I got the book sitting on my desk at home. Um, Same here. I've got the I've I, I purchased the book. What, what is I've, the name of that? I don't know if that's it. Nature, yeah, just, yeah, I think it is. That is that nature it? principle? No, no, no. Last child in the woods. Let's see. That's it. I think. What, uh, what last is it? Child in the woods. Last child in the woods. That, that's it. Yeah, that's it. yeah. That's a really good book, and and it really does go into that. And, and I mean, that book is it's a it's a very thick book, and and, thick and, book. and he goes into a lot of that, but he kind of comes to the same conclusion. You know, it's not really there's not really one answer here, and I think that's something that. You know, as a parent, um, and I'll say this: my, I got, I've got two girls, raised two girls. Uh, now I feel like I'm raising two son-in-laws. You know, you you try to raise them too. So, uh, uh, and, and you know, I was always fortunate. We had kids in and out of our house. We had kids. You know, uh, our house was very open when when, when my girls were were young and kids in and out. You know, and and they were never sheltered from the outdoors. Um, they, they were always, you know, you, you go ask my daughters right now, what's your favorite meal? And they're going to say duck, deer, antelope, something like that. Wow. They, they were they, they were always exposed to that. Now, I'll say this. Bethany does not, my oldest does not care about hunting. She doesn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Hannah, my youngest, she'll go if, you know, she, she, I always call her a conditional hunter. Um, yeah. If the dog's going, if we got snacks, if uh, we're not going to stay long, if it's warm enough, all the stars, oh yeah, just yeah, right. yeah, everything lines up. She's going to go. <laughs> but they understand the, the principles behind it, and I think that that's just instilling those principles is where we need to be. Not necessarily trying to make our kids hunters or fishermen, just instilling the principles of the outdoors. And I think those principles of the outdoors relate so much to life. You know. Um, I grew up out here east of Paragool, and my, my grandmother would take me to the to the old wooden bridges. It, most people don't even know what an old wooden bridge is anymore, but that, that went across Eight Mile Ditch or Locust Ditch or uh, places like that. I was 10. She'd drop me off. Mm. Well, you know, she'd go help me dig worms. She'd drop me off, and that's what I did. You know, I'd sit out there on that bridge. I mean, what a way to learn patience. What a, what a way to learn to, to handle different conditions in life. What a way to learn you know, just about situations, and, and and I'm not recommending, I would not take my kids now and drop them off on a wooden bridge and leave them. Sometimes I kind of want to, but, <laughs> but you know, not not now, but uh, just our society is not conducive to that. But 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 the the principle behind that is, you know, letting the kid get out there and let them make some decisions. Let them get out there and, and uh, experience some of that in life, and I think that's, I don't know, I just feel like sometimes we shelter our kids a little oh, too much sure. away from yeah. Um, the the experiences in life they might get on a ditch bank or a creek bank or yeah you know I I had to figure out one day how to get a hook out of my friend's ear you know after I caught him <laughs> so you know every now and then things happen so uh, you you know you had to make some critical decisions on the creek bank Absolutely. and and uh, I think that's something our kids are somewhat yeah they're sheltered from today yeah uh, look up Chris the blessing of a skinned knee um, 
just because that might be another resource. Someone who's interested in this conversation, who's tuning in and, and wants more information. That's another. I can't remember who wrote that book. Um, who wrote that? I don't think I've heard. You're making that me one. say it really hard to pronounce last names. That's okay. None of us can say it probably. Uh, is that Wendy Mogul? Okay, that sounds right. Yeah, module. It, there's just all kinds of research out there yeah. on what you're talking about. Like so, even that the book we were just talking about, uh, Last Child in the Woods, Blessing of a Skin Knee. It's it it really is just unpacking and using data to do it. The significance of letting your kids get outside and letting them get some bumps and bruises, uh, yeah. letting them figure some things out. Like because the truth is, I mean, like life is hard and it doesn't get easier yeah. as you get older. And it's like you're 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 trying to teach your kids some critical skills early on. You're trying to teach them how to take again some hits early on. You're trying to teach them because. Because life's going to keep coming at you. And a lot of these, a lot of our kids right now, I mean, they are kind of bubble wrapped. You know, oh, yeah. They're being insulated. And we're, like, we're trying to protect them. It's like, look, there is a level of, and, and, and I don't want to be misunderstood when I say this, but there is a level of like, you've got to put your kids in hard situations now. Yep. That's somewhat kind of controllable, still under your supervision, because hard's going to come later that they're not going to pick and they're not going to choose. And they're going to handle that a lot better if you've put them in situations and set them up and learn how to handle those things. It's like, okay, like, I've had to figure things out before. I've had to figure out how to do something with a little before. I've had to, you know, and I didn't die. You know, yeah. so like I can handle it. You, you know, and, and I think to me that, that and and you you perfectly described a day fishing. Mm. I mean, that's what a day on the lake is. Mm-hmm. You go out there and you, you have to figure it out. You have to make decisions. And I think being able to take that time and get your kids out there and make those decisions, I mean, and, and that's just one place you can do it. But but. Um, being who I am and, and what I do, you know, what I enjoy, yeah. that that's always my go-to is, you know, get them out on the lake. Let them, yeah. let them make some decisions. Let them uh, figure out how to do something new. You know, a lot of our kids, um, I coach our shooting team at Marmaduke, and, uh, and uh, you know, we shoot trap, which is a shotgun sport. Um, right now, we, we started that program. Oh, shoot, I, I don't remember. We, we Game and Fish started that program about 17 or 18 years ago now. Um we actually had a, a girl from Arkansas compete in the Olympics this year. Oh, who went through that crazy. program, won a silver medal. Well, I had no idea. Uh, yeah, and uh, a girl from Marmaduke? Uh, no, Arkansas. Oh, from Arkansas. Arkansas. She okay, she's from uh, uh, Greenbrier, maybe. Okay. I, I don't remember exactly where, but um, that's incredible. It, it is. It is. And 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 getting those kids on a trap field and letting them shoot and. You know, teaching them the basics and teaching them discipline, and I always tell those kids coming into that program, "Look, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm out here to win. Uh, yeah. You know, I, there's no doubt I want to win, but but it's more to it than that. I want these kids to learn about discipline and mm-hmm. and understanding that you know it's always funny to me. You put a good a kid up there, he he he's shot quite a bit. You know, he thinks he's doing pretty good, and he misses one, and then the mm-hmm. wheels start turning in his mind. Why not miss? And then he misses the next one. Mm-hmm. And then he misses the next one. Some mental toughness. Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 so stuff like that, outdoors related. Same with you know, you can name any sport. You go down the list of sure. your sports, and I think you learn those life lessons. And but I just choose it to be in the outdoors. Well, there's something about nature though that is important, and you know whether it's looking at it through a uh, biblical lens, where we see right. obviously mm-hmm. a lot of even the Psalms, like they're written because they're out in nature. They're looking they're like, okay, what is this like? Okay, God is like this tree, or we're like this tree, or whatever you know. It's like they're looking, they're in nature, and and when I talk to hunters, uh, I don't personally hunt. I know I've talked to you about. It. I yep. want to get, I want to take my hunters out, you know, my class this year. I want to take my son through it, but. Um, you talk to a lot of people who hunt, and at least the ones that I am hearing from, they're like, man, part of it for me is not just, like, kill anything. It's, like, just being out in nature. Yeah. Like, there's something about it. And they can't even necessarily put their finger on it. No. But they're like, there's something about it. And I think it, you know, Wendell Berry writes a lot about this, uh, about just, like, being rooted. You know, like, yeah. we, we we are not a rooted people anymore. We're huh. constantly on That's the true. go. We're constantly yeah. moving. And if you're not rooted, you're going to be a shallow person. You're going to wither up. And so it's like... Being in nature, slowing down, putting yourself in the grand scheme of all of this stuff, it just reminds you like you're part of something much bigger than yourself, and you just root yourself in that moment to some geography and the nature. I think, I don't know, I disagree with you. There's something that if we don't, if we don't get our kids back in that, if we don't get back in nature, if we become more and more disconnected from it, um, I think it's really going to be to our detriment. And so, like, I guess one of the questions I have. Because I do live right – I mean, I live on Main Street. I live right in the yep. middle of the city. Mm-hmm. I, we have a garden in our backyard, but that's the extent of the level that our kids are going to be, you know, fingers in the dirt kind of thing. For those who maybe live in the city, uh, 
what would you recommend to us? Like if we're going to, you know, if we don't live out in the county, we don't live in the country, how do we, what are some simple ways that we can begin to get our kids outside more and in nature more? Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned a while ago, I, I, I'm from Paragould, been here all my, well, almost all my life. But for about, uh, I guess when I was in, I think halfway through the first grade, my dad, who is a, who's, a, who's a CPA here in Pergold, and uh, you know he's had a, had a practice here since the early seventies, and and uh, got got through his uh, uh, got his accounting degree, and he needed to go work for a firm um, to to get, I guess, some experience at that time. So we moved to Memphis. Hmm. And, and for a, a kid that was used to uh, the Kaufman community on the east side of Perigold, that was not easy. Oh, you know, but one thing I, I distinctly remember about, about that time in Memphis and living in a you know little neighborhood and had a bird feeder up in my backyard. Mm. And, and I would keep up with the kind of birds that came and went from that bird feeder. Mm. You know, just something as simple as that. Um, um, plant a few flyers. Go, go to... Go to uh, Go to one of the nurseries and say, hey, I need a few flyers that will attract butterflies. And, and give your kids a mission. Hey, you know, what what, what kind of butterflies might we see? Um, identify a few leaves in the yard. Mm. Uh, this little thing, you don't have to really do anything big. I think sometimes we get confused that, or we get, think, well, man, if I can't, you know, our society today, and I see this in hunting and fishing, we are so geared toward uh, it, if I can't take my kid out there and he can't kill a deer, why even go? Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't even deer hunt till I was in my twenties. Oh wow! Um, there were no deer in Green County. That's a whole other story. You know, we 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 could talk about. There were no deer here in this county hardly. Um, we actually had no deer season for a long time when I was a kid. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, and and so so, you know, we, we want these big successes for our kids, just like, and, and I do too. I I want that, but. We forget about doing the little things. We, we don't take the little steps. You know, probably one one concern I have in, in with the hunting, uh, there's a few, but one, you know, a lot of our kids are starting deer hunting. And, and I mean, I grew up chasing squirrels. Mm. There's uh, we, we, we did a, uh, a squirrel hunting class at the Nature Center right there about a year or two before I left. And I think we figured it up within uh, an hour's drive of Jonesboro, there's – 275,000 acres of public ground people can hunt for squirrel hunting. Wow. You know, the opportunity is there. It might take a little effort. You know, reach out to me. I'd be glad to help you. I can give you Where some advice. Where do you advice. start at if you're going to start? Because this is a question for me, maybe yeah. for others as well. Like, so if I, you know, I didn't grow up hunting. I yeah. just didn't. And yeah. that's always been my excuse. And But the more I've studied it, the more I'm like, man, I do want to set my kids up for that. They can choose later, like your kids have, if they yeah. want to do it or not. But I at least don't want them to have the excuse of, I just... I'm too old now. I never yeah. started because that's what I've always felt like. I'm too far behind. I turned forty next week. I'm like, yeah, I would be a terrible hunter, and I don't have time to become a good hunter. So like, but I'm trying to just push that aside and realize it's not always about what you kill and all that. Yeah. It's the experience. Where do I need to start? Where do you recommend yeah. for somebody? And, and oddly enough, there are a lot of people in in your situation right now in Arkansas. Uh, only about. I hadn't, I didn't look at the number of license sales this year, but it's somewhere in the neighborhood of twelve to thirteen percent of our population actually participates in hunting. Oh wow, that's an odd fact to people. They think Arkansas everybody hunts. Absolutely, yeah. You know, er- I feel everybody's like I'm the only one who doesn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're the only one, but, but that, <laughs> that's not the case. Um, only twelve to thirteen percent. What we're seeing statistically, there are a lot of people coming into hunting that are in that uh, or or trying to come into hunting. In that twenty-one to forty-year-old range, really? Why do you think that is? Well, we, there have been several people do some studies. One of the number one reasons they're coming into hunting at that age is so they can know the source of their their, their protein. Yeah, they want to go out and they want to kill a deer. Yeah, you know that. that I mean, they've got fifty, seventy-five pound of meat right there. Yeah, and they know where it came from. Yes, you know. Uh, uh, that's one reason. Another reason is just exactly what we're talking about to expose their kids. You know, the, 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 the unfortunate side right now, what we see, a lot of those are women, hmm. women, single parents that are wanting to get into hunting so they can, they can get their children out there. Wow. So, so 
Do you think they're just seeing like what the screens are doing to us? Yeah, like because oh, yeah. we're we've you know you I hear that think, like we've not had a real great uh, sample of what these screens are going to do to us because I mean they're still relatively new, but now yeah. we've been in it long enough yeah. to where I think we are starting to be like, whoa, hang on a second here, I don't know if this yeah. is all good, and so maybe yeah. like we're kind of swinging the pendulum back. I, I I I firmly believe that. I really think parents are starting to see uh, 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 the the absence of nature in their kids' lives are, are having a dramatic impact. Mm. Um, the, 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 just the absence of exposure. And again, you know, go back to your question, how do you start hunting? I, I think that, that's kind of a difficult question to answer, you know, even for me, because I, I never had to answer that question myself. Mm. I don't remember not hunting. I don't remember not fishing. Mm. I mean, my, my mom's got pictures of me with a fishing pole in the bathtub. Mm. Or in my dad's water jug when he was going to, to work on the farm. I, I always remember that. So for me to tell somebody, I mean, I can give you my, my best steps, and that is, you know, hunter egg class, number one. Mm-hmm. Get, get you some information. And how long no, is a hunter's egg class for those uh, who are one? Ten hours. Okay. Just was it usually one day? Yeah. Yeah, typically, you know, it just depends on how we do it. Um, there's, there's two ways to do it in Arkansas now. You can do a, a, a an in-person class, which is – you know, we, we went to uh, – we also have an online option. You do everything online. I'm still a fan of the in-person learning. You know, they're, the I, same, I, I, they're the same time frame, it, it, 10 it, hours? Well, uh, if you do it online, you're going to be able to cut your time a little bit. You you can go it, – it's uh, uh, progressive, so, so you got to finish the section to get to the next section. Yeah, yeah, So So, it, it you know, you got to go – you got to – you can do it at a pretty fast rate, but you can't just skip all the way through it. Yeah. Um, and there's tests and all that. It's good information. I do recommend that for somebody that may be, uh, you know, in their mid twenties who maybe has some exposure, but it is not going to put what I like about an in-person class. It puts somebody, um, puts a face to, to hunting for somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives uh, you a network a little bit, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little bit of an, so, so you got kids sitting next to you who you can talk to like, about oh, it. Oh, yeah. You're doing the same thing. Yeah. 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 So, so uh, the network side of it, you know, and the hunting network is, is, and, and, and on the, on the downside for hunters, we, we tend to, uh, be fairly, uh, I hate to use the word standoffish, but somewhat standoffish to somebody that's just coming in the sport, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I think that's a fault that we have. Uh, sometimes we don't, we aren't as welcoming as we should. Why be. do you think that is? I I just think uh, because of our mindset, a lot of it is is, and it's nothing bad. It's just you know I had my start. You know why didn't you? Mm-hmm. More or less. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and and I think that's something that that we can work on as hunters. Um, and, and that's kind of one thing that I like to always talk about. You know, I mentioned a while ago, I like to talk to the adults. I, I want our hunters now to be sure and understand, hey, we, we need to be, you know, that next generation. Um, you know, in Arkansas, I think the average age of the person that buys a hunting license, the last I looked at that, it's probably been three or four years ago, is in their mid to upper 40s. Hmm. Um. So I'm not too far behind. Then. No, no. But what happens as those people age out, who takes their place? And what we're seeing is that age at that age is increasing. So our average age of a hunter, the, the person that holds a hunting license is, is going up, which yeah. tells you that at a certain point, yes, you're going to lose a generation. Yep. You know, I think it's the same thing we see in our churches. You, you can, you know, uh, of course, you know, it, it's it's the same, very same thing. Yep. I think the similarities are 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 almost scary in what I see in in dealing with hunting and and, and churches and and what people feel about both is very similar. Um, yep. Hunting in the outdoors, fishing. It's really interesting. The same thing is true in. Um your social clubs as well, like oh, yeah. Rotary Club, Carolinas, right. all that kind of stuff. I was just talking with uh, a family that's in from South Carolina, and she was telling me that her dad's in a bowling league, and like how it's like one of the only bowling leagues around. It's like, yeah, we don't, I don't know, I, I don't hardly know of anybody that's in bowling leagues. Yeah, anymore. like a lot yeah. of those things are just dying off. Yeah, and um, I, I, I really I, do. I, I'm not trying to like make this a, a beat up on the screen type episode, but I, I think like you're. 
you're just seeing a ton of busyness in people's lives. So nobody oh, yeah. really has time to be committed to anything because they're trying to do 15 things. Yeah. So they can't really go deep anywhere and just be there, you know. Yeah. And then you've got a lot of distractions. Yeah. You know? and, and, and I don't want to sound negative either. I just I think there, there's very much hope, but I just want to encourage people, man. You know, just look around. I, I just uh, get in a boat with me. You know, come get in a boat with me, and 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 go spend four hours with me in a boat, and tell me that that it's not something you you didn't enjoy. Yeah, where's some good fishing at around here? Yeah, uh, if I was going to go around here, well, right now, you know, I'm gonna fish in your backyard as much water as we got right now, unfortunately. <laughs> so, uh, now uh, right now. Um, Everything's high. You know, you'd want to kind of probably go to maybe Lake Charles. Crappie fishing would be probably be pretty good coming up. You know, as the water warms, those crappie move up and uh, get a little bit easier to catch. And uh, so you do want to focus on lakes that aren't associated to uh, to other waterways. You know, my, my favorite spots are uh, 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 Oxbow Lakes, things like that. So they're all, you know, pretty much flooded right now because our river stages are just extremely high. Yeah. Um, but those are my favorite places. You know, I've been fortunate – to be, you know, do a lot of things and uh, hunting a lot of places and fishing a lot of places. But there, to me, there's nothing like catching a, a, a crappie or a brim from from the base of a cypress tree that's probably 500 years old. Oh, wow. You know, over here in, in one of the Oxbow Lakes that we have in you this area. Oxbow Lakes. Oxbow. Huh? Yeah, that's, that. that's where a river, um, you know, a river was running at one time and uh, the current actually cut the, the lake off. And left a left a standalone lake over here, which is like where's the closest one? Uh, the closest one here, uh, Porsche Bay. You know oh, where Porsche oh, is? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, right there outside of Porsche. I've done some fishing over there. Yeah, the yeah, day. right there. That Porsche Bay is an actually an octopole lake that used to be actually part of the Black River, right there where you cross at Black Rock. Hmm. The the river would have ran through that over time. Um, the the river cut through the bank there and and caused that to silt in and and uh it. it you know, at times, right now, like right now, water will be in Porsche Bay, but then it gets out, and that's when it gets good fishing. So, you know, lakes like that, that natural stuff, that, that's what I tend to kind of tend to to focus to. Another one of my favorites um, is Real Foot Lake. You know, over just over across in Tennessee, uh, made by the by the earthquake, eighteen twelve earthquake. Hmm. You know, uh, um, most of the St. Francis River bottoms that we have just east of Paragol, um, the the the, the term we use for that um and and it's called the sunken lands and the reason for that is it was made some of that land sank i guess you'd say during the earthquake of 18 mm. the 1812 to 1814 there's some good fishing in st francis oh yeah yeah See, i've never heard that yeah oh yeah very good catfish there right yeah 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 i really liked catfish over there yeah really? oh yeah yeah you know it won't be good right uh, right now um i just talked to a guy at uh ball game the other night he was uh kind of kind of a away and very few people do this but they'll go out right now the water will, will be running out through the woods and you can set lines and stuff out in the woods and catch catfish right now wow. i'm out in that you know water knee deep and, and it's really neat you know we talk about nature how do those fish know to go up there in that knee deep water and they'll find food but they just do they just do and uh, uh stuff like that right now and, and that only you know that comes with time. That comes with the experience of figuring that stuff out. So, yeah. um, but you know, we, we don't really have a uh, what I would call a big lake option here in northeast Arkansas. You know, you got North Fork; it's two and a half hours. Uh, uh, Grizz Ferry is two and a half hours. Uh, so we don't have a big lake, big large lake. I'll say it because we do have big lake just over uh, toward Manila. But you know, that's that's uh, as far as a big body of water to fish we don't really have that so i've always just kind of made my done my fishing on you know places i could just mm-hmm. basically pull a john boat out of the back of the truck if i wanted For to sure. and put it in the water well that makes it a lot easier I yeah mean, yeah so i i'm curious switching gears a little bit what is uh what is an animal in arkansas that we want more of and what's one that we want less of well that's a that's a Man, you got me thinking now. I know. Uh, the only reason I was just thinking about that is I came out of a lunch with somebody that we were talking about that. Okay. Let's take white-tailed deer. Um, and we can talk about those from both sides of, both sides of that question. Right now in Arkansas, um, in about 1920, something like that, we had less than 400 deer in our state. Hunted them out? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. You know, at that time, gaming fish started in 1915. 
Um, up until that time, there were no rules. Arkansas was so so. Just to go back a little bit further in history, um, Arkansas, of course, was just across the Mississippi. Um, most of the land east of the Mississippi was getting developed. They were hunting it. Arkansas, in about the early 1800s, became a uh, a resource for people to go hunt um, because we still had a lot of stuff here: uh, deer, elk, buffalo. Um, buffalo. Oh yeah, yeah. Once had buffalo right here, uh, right here, and uh, people started coming to Arkansas. At that time, though, you know, Arkansas when Arkansas became a state in uh, 1836, we were known as the Bear State. Because what kind of, of bear? Uh, black bear, because the number of black bears we had here. Wow. So, so very all all those animals were very prominent, but you know, fast forward a hundred years from that time frame, and we go from the bear state and uh, uh, to, to basically having nothing left. Four hundred white-tailed deer, less than thirty black bears. Uh, wild turkeys basically wiped out. Elk were extinct. Buffalo were extinct. Um. Now, to fast forward to today, in Arkansas, we have about a million white-tailed deer. Mm. Hunters this year probably, I've not looked at the numbers lately, probably took hunters about 200,000 or a little more white-tailed deer. Um, you know, I think it was four or five years ago, Arkansas, you know, you always like your sports team to be in the top 10 list, the top 20, whatever. Arkansas ranked in the top, I think the top 10 nationally of the likelihood for you to hit a deer with your car. That's not a good top ten list to be on. <laughs> no. So, so you ask, what what animal do we have too many of? You know, white-tailed deer. I, I'm really concerned. Um, we we one thing that became very, I won't say real common, but I was getting more and more calls in in, in Greene County, uh, Craig County, as I you know, last few years, uh, uh, predation of white-tailed deer on, on crops, or mm-hmm. you know, uh. Uh, had a lot of farmers complaining, you know, we're, we're having the chronic equation disease and, and that, that's a direct yeah, that's res- spreading, right? Yeah. Yes. That's a direct result of, uh, that can only be spread by contact. So you get too many, you start having disease, starvation, um, your deer car collisions go up. So, you know, I, I look at whitetail deer or something. We need people out there taking off the landscape, yeah. uh, not only, you know, for the enjoyment, but for the meat but just for population control. Mm. Um, you know, other animals, uh, you know, we're trying to increase our elk herd still. It's probably as big as it's ever going to get because um, it, it's such a large animal, kind of limited area. You know, black bears, are, they continue to grow some in, in population. And, uh, uh, you know, so I, I think most of our animals that we want here are doing pretty good. You know, want some that, that we may not like here. Uh, uh Cormorant. I'll just throw that out. That's that's a fish eating a cormorant. That's a Never fish eating bird. Uh, okay. You know, it, it's very they they do a lot of predation on fish farms, um, large lakes. They eat a lot of fish. And huh. I tell you, on my run yesterday morning, I wish we didn't have skunks. <laughs> yeah, because it's mating season right now, and they smell bad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you'll start seeing a lot of those. And and I get a lot of uh, people. You know. Uh, the, the, the probably the two most common wildlife calls I got when I was working were well, three. Um, number one uh, were raccoons. You know, somebody had a raccoon in their house or or under their house. Or very common. Skunks were also common, but then snakes. It never fails. I, I guarantee you, within the next, if it would have stayed warm, I'd be getting snake calls. Hey Chuck, you know what kind of snake is this? And yeah, and I'm, uh, I, that's actually somebody picking up my phone. I'm actually while you're talking, looking for a picture of a snake uh, that I'm almost certain, I'm almost certain was a rattlesnake. Yeah. Are there yeah. rattlesnakes around here? Is oh, that, yeah. Is that possible? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it was a timber rattle. If I show you a picture of it, yeah. you're going to know, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and they're, they're, I won't say they're common. Uh, I, I, you do see them. You know what? And, and I always get into that discussion. People, of course, snakes, you know, people get upset about snakes and, uh, they're pretty much going to leave you alone, right? As long as yeah, to yeah. I, I, I'm not. I don't like venomous snakes, you know. But I will say this: out of all my time outdoors and working outdoors, um, my contact with venomous snakes has been minimal. Mm-hmm. You know, the number of times I've actually 
run into a cottonmouth, a copperhead. Yeah, yes. um, I've, I've only seen probably four or five rattlesnakes in the wild. Mm-hmm. You know, a few more cottonmouths, a few more copperheads, but it, it's very minimal. So, you know, most of the time when you see a snake, just leave it alone. He's probably minding his own business. Um, you know, yeah. So. Well, I definitely left this one alone. Yeah, yeah. Um, is is the hog population like do people hunt hogs? Yeah, yeah, and uh, that, that's kind of an animal that you know it it it, it started out kind of uh, people looked at it kind of as a novelty. Hey, it'd be neat to hunt hogs. What they did not realize was how devastating they're going to be on a habitat. They basically ruin a habitat for other wildlife. Yeah, they're nuisances, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're much very much a nuisance. Seems but, like it'd be such a fun hunt, though. Right? It, it is kind of yeah. aggressive. Yeah, yeah. Here's, here's, here's my snake, by the way. That looks that? like. You're going to tell me it's not something near as cool as I thought it was. That is a garden snake. <laughs> no, let's see. I, it was on a bunch of timber, so I just said, ah, I bet that's a timber rattlesnake. Hmm. Hard to tell from that angle. Was, think, was, was it near water? Yes. It looks almost like a diamondback water snake. A diamondback water snake? Yes. Which I'm guessing is non-venomous? Non-venomous, yeah. That's not near as cool. Of a no, story. no. But I'd, I'd go ahead and just go with the, with the <laughs> rattlesnake story. <laughs> by you. Sure, right? That's what everybody else would do. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> you know. So, anyways, you know, it's just, uh, it, but that's what makes it so neat. You know, just all the questions and, and all that. Get to talk about it. And and, uh, uh, and to kind of go back where we started there, you know, just snakes are a good example just people have a better understanding of why they're there and all that i think it's very important very it's very fun entertaining to me it's always entertaining to me to you know to 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 all the questions i get people oh I, man absolutely I, I had a lady text me one night i was at church and uh we were cooking getting ready for church that night and uh she texted me and i thought you know this lady ought to be at church so i'm gonna have a little fun with this <laughs> so she texted me she said chuck i found this snake in my yard uh what kind is it she texted me this picture and i text her back and i said all right if that's what I think it is, you need to get out of the house, get your kids, <laughs> get in get the car, and leave. Baptist, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I texted her right back and said, no, 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 I'm just kidding with you. But uh, but anyways, you get a lot of that. But, you know, that's that's part of it. And and But I think getting your kids to understand that a little bit better, um, Yeah, you know, I, I think it's very important. Oh, man. Well, that that specific trip where we saw that snake, we um, we used to have we, – we don't live in Carriage Hills anymore, but at the time there was a uh, – I guess it's the 8-mile that runs yep, right behind so. in that area. And I told my kids one day, we were just like, hey, all right, mom's going to drop us off in the truck at this point. We're going to have our little boots on. We're going to walk through this creek. Yeah. And we're going to go a mile, and she was going to pick us up. Oh, kind of out like past Feisty's and that area and all that. And we took a little sack of lunch and all that. And we saw just in that, I mean, yes, we saw that snake, but little fish, little, just uh, certain things you would have never seen. Yeah. Just like, you know, right off the road or whatever. And to this day, that was probably three or four years ago. My kids still remember that. Yeah. There's I, a lot of things they don't remember three or four years ago, but they very much remember. Yeah. And it was right here. No money. Just yeah. a little adventure. You know? you know, Chris and I were talking there. It's funny to me, and I just wrote, I, I write an article every month in Premier about the outdoors. And um, this month, I just I just asked a question on, on Facebook. I said, look, you know, tell me a fishing memory. But it's always funny to me. I can ask somebody that question. And they can go back 50 years. Mm. And they can recall it like it happened, like they were living it. I mean, yeah. like it was happening right then or happened yesterday. Then you say, well, what'd you have for breakfast? Well, I have for no sure. idea. Totally. I have no idea. You know, it, it, those memories, I don't, I don't know where they go. It's kind of like that question, you know, we started with kind of what, what drives us to the outdoors. Where do those memories go that they stay so fresh? Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I can go There's back. something about it. I can go back. I, I can remember, you know, how the dust even tasted when, when a truck went by sitting on that bridge, you know, and, and. And just all that. I can remember crop dusters flying over and you smelling the chemicals. And I can remember all that stuff from, from when I was 10 years old. Yeah. Um, and, and there's just something about that that just sticks with you. Yeah. And where it goes, I, I don't know. You know, I shared a quote the other day on my Facebook page from Jimmy Carter. He said, and I don't remember the exact quote, but, you know, what he said, uh, some of my, my strongest memories are not what happened when I was a president. They're from fishing with my dad or my granddad. Mm. You know, and I thought that's that. powerful. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and I think that's something that, you know, we we store those memories somewhere. And, and but 
they're still fresh. I think I just think that's an interesting side of the outdoors that and that creates that 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 community that that you know we sit around we talk hunting we talk fishing we tell stories we tell things that happen and i think that that side of it is just and and that's such a great way uh to minister to people to, Mm. to get to know people i mean that that has been the the uh the end for me i guess on a lot of our mission trips Mm. you know we, we were in uh we were in africa and we were in this village and uh uh you know just a bunch of i mean bunch of mud huts basically one after the other after the other and we're walking around there's a little community area there and i happen to look over there and there's this lady cooking fish mm-hmm. i mean what are the chances you you're in the middle of i think wow. we, i don't even remember where we were uh kenya or somewhere over there and, and there's an immediate bond right it's like yeah oh yeah yeah fish. immediately yeah. You know, immediately in our, in, in Alaska, we go up there, um, and, and it's a small remote village and they hunt and they fish that gave us an, an immediate way to talk to those guys in a way that, you know, some other people may not have had, um, just to talk to them, just, yeah. to you know, you could talk about hunting and fishing and, and, and I think it, to kind of talk about, you know, the, the, the initial question you, you go back to that i think that's part of what it is it, there's something yes it, it, it's something worldwide yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that that it's just all humankind has had those i think memories. you're exactly right well it, it connects you we can't live without nature yeah like every right. single one of us are dependent upon it and and you're right about like so i just now ate i was at brick oven pizza ate a pizza I just shoved the pizza in my mouth and, and moved on. Okay. What had to happen for the cheese to get there? Oh, yeah. What had to happen for the ingredients to yep. make the crust to get there? The, the meat. Yeah. Where did that come from? What, like, there's all of these things that nature had to contribute. Yeah. And other people had to somehow, right, farm it or kill it or yeah. whatever. All of these things and that connect that food, that whole point, like it connects you to nature, which connects you to other people who are involved in the process. And I think like that's some of what you're talking about, whether it's in Alaska, it's in Kenya, wherever it is, it's like, yeah, we are so dependent on this thing. Yeah. You know, and so much of it is outside of our control. And it's a reminder that we're part of something much bigger than ourselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I just think that's interesting and a great way to, to tie in with to, to 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 have a common bond with people, and I and I think you know as far as from the ministry side, that's what you got to have. You got to have a starting point. Mm. You know, if you're going to do ministry with somebody or, or just talk to do to relationships well yeah. in general. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So, anyways, I, I just think that that's a big part of it. I, I'm curious, Chuck. Obviously, you're passionate about this. Oh career. yeah. And you've talked a little bit about this, but but not a lot. How did you fall into this? Like what yeah. what led you into it? You know, it's. Uh, I, I, like I said a while ago, I, I grew up out east of Paragool, always hunting and fished. Uh, my granddad had beagles. We, my other granddad had foxhounds. They both farmed. You know, I'd go out and I'd rabbit hunt and whatever. And, you know, just always liked being outside, uh, uh, digging worms with my grandmother and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, eating what we cooked or what we killed. You know, that was always a big part of it. You know, some of the smells from my childhood, you know, singeing duck feathers. You know, my, my granddad, anytime we killed ducks, we singed the duck feathers and, and uh, you know, singed the feathers off the duck. And that, that smell of, you know, that burnt feathers sticks in my head and the smell of cleaning fish. And, mm. you know, uh, so so as a, as a kid in high school, I went to Crowley Ridge Academy. I thought, man, I, I'd, uh, you know, at that at that time, you didn't have the, the, the ability to, to do research on on a career, Mm -hmm. you know, there was no way to figure out. I mean, you had to talk to somebody, you know, you, 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 you you know, you had had to be in your world book encyclopedia or you didn't know anything (laughs) about it, you know? So, so, um, I, I remember we, we were, my dad was an accountant and and we talked about, you know, with friends, how do you get into this for a living? And, and I tell you, I tell you somebody that really inspired me at that time, um, was Rail Breckenridge. I don't know if you remember that name. I know that name. Fish, big fisher. You know, right? 50 years ago, this year, he won the Bassmaster Classic. Wow. Uh, from, he's from, from this area, right? From, from Beach Grove. He, they, they, at that time, they, they flew him out to, I think he was on, boy, I, I, I just, I'm guessing, I think Sandy Cooper, 
Um, they flew all these professional fishermen out there, and they fished against each other, and he won the, you know, yeah, world R- champion. R-A-Y-O. R-A-Y-O. Yeah, Breckenridge. Like Rayo Breckenridge. You know, and, and he had a TV show. And, and so I watched that. Bill Dance, um, uh, uh, Jimmy Houston. Uh, uh, there were several I watched. And they, they just, you know, how do you make that a living? So my dad was an accountant, and we, we've mentioned that, and he had a very good practice here. Um, I thought, well, I'll just, you know, I'm following his footsteps, and that, mm. that can basically finance my outdoors. That was the safe way. Yeah, yeah. That, that was yeah. a safe way, yeah. So I actually went, went to college, went to CRC, and, and went a couple of years, got to ASU, and uh, got down there, and I actually got through almost done with my accounting degree. And I came home one day, and I told my parents, I said, this ain't going to work. Mm. And, of course, you know, my parents, being my parents, we support you. Mm. You know, I never will forget that. You know, my dad, when I was about 12, my dad and I had a conversation about baseball, sports. Um, he said at that time, it, the, he told me, he said, Chuck, you know, I, it was time for me to move up to, I guess, Junior Babe Ruth at the time. He said, look, your choice is either we're going to play baseball or we can fish. Mm-hmm. You know, at that time, I made the choice to to – I said, look, I don't want to be committed to baseball enough. It's going to hurt my fishing. So so I made that choice then, got into my college career. I'm, that was a tough choice, to be quite honest, to take a really an unknown path. So I, I, I went on and told them. They said, whatever you got to do. Um, I figured it up. I had to take, I think it was 21 or 22 hours my last semester of college to get out. It's a full load. Yeah, yeah it was a full load. So um, and, and you can imagine – uh, nothing from cost accounting went over to wildlife management, cost accounting or, you know, accounting one or, so I was all of a sudden, I was taking herpetology and, and ornithology and all these ology classes and thoroughly enjoying it. Mm. But what do you do? That, that was the question. Sure. What, what do you do? I, I happened to be in school with Steve Keeter, um, you know, Keeter's fish farm mm-hmm. and, uh, um, got out of college. What am I going to do? He said, Hey, why don't you come out here and work for us? out here on the fish farm. So I went out there, um, and my one part of my job was to check oxygen at night, make sure the fish stayed alive, and then I helped them in the fish market. You know, at that time, we were still hand-skinning about, I don't know, six to 8,000 pounds of catfish a week. Jeez. And, and sell them to local. On local on, you had to get pretty quick. To yeah, oh, yeah, sell them locally. Uh, sell them on markets, and he had some guys that were a lot better at fish cleaning than I was. And but at one time it was kind of rather funny. I think at one time we had four or five guys working on the fish cleaning table that had college degrees, <laughs> and they're all very successful now. But they had they knew they had to start somewhere, and, and they're all one of them's a, a therapist. One of them's a, 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 a my brother in law is a, he's kind of like a lead guy for a bread company, and um, one of them became a superintendent. All started in fish guts. All started skinning fish, yeah. And and so, but I always tell kids, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And, and anyways, I worked at Keeter's for a couple of years. Um, the job at Corning came open, and uh, with Gaming Fish at the hatchery, I applied, um, got that. And like I said earlier, you know, I did some programming, and uh, uh, I just started going to schools. I, actually, we had an alligator about a two-foot alligator and i that was my end i would carry that to schools and show it to kids and uh so uh carry it around and started doing the programs through the hatchery at, at schools and then, then the the job i had in education came open i i took it and i guess you say the rest is history you know it's a great story man well thank you, thank you. it highlights uh, you know and, and looking back oddly enough the path was not clear going in, but the path is very clear looking back, as, as it happens so often in our lives. Yes. You, you, I mean, my life set me up for the career, and, and I, didn't, I didn't realize it. I probably didn't appreciate it enough at the time, you know, what my parents did for me. But looking back, man, I, I'm just so blessed. To, a lot of things fell my way, and, and, and you know, just so blessed. I, I think God had a hand in that, and, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm very blessed to have that opportunity. Yeah. You know, I, my, my daughter's always said, well, you never work, you know, because I'm always going, taking kids fishing, you know, dad, dad, you never work. I said, well, you know, I got stuff going on. I'm going to take kids fishing. <laughs> so anyway, but that's kind of how I got to where I got. And I get that question a lot. Matter of fact, I just got it this week. A guy sent me a message, uh, said his daughter was interested in a, in a job with the game of fish. What do you need to do? And I always, 
enjoy talking to those kids that are looking at that profession. I was fortunate to have a lot that would, they'd job shadow or they'd, they'd ride around on these a few days. And, you know, if anybody, your kid out there is thinking about that, look me up. You know, I'd love to talk to them about it. So um, it was a great, great place to be. I love that. One thing I love about that story is just two things that come out and jump out as you were telling it, and, and we'll move into some rapid-fire questions, but one is I, I heard a, an older gentleman say to me one time that when he looks back at his life, this was a successful man, he said, I felt like a lot of my life came to me by accident. And so there was a part of it that's like, yeah, I worked really, really hard. And I love that about the story, too. If like yeah. A lot of people look at your position like, I want that right now. It's like, well, they yeah. didn't see the fish guts. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Spend two so, years cleaning fish. Yeah. You and might so there's there. a lot of that where it's like, I'm just going to work hard where I am. I'm going to be faithful where I am. And yeah. There's also a little bit of it where it's like, I couldn't have totally planned it the way it did. Like there's, yeah. there's, But there's things in your control, and there's some things that happen outside of your control. But what makes your job, I think, uh, what I love about what you've done with your career is you've taken something you really enjoyed, yeah. and something you were good at, and you were able to marry those together in a way that left not just nature, but even people, left our society, our state better. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. You know, general. that was always my goal in, in my career. And even now, um, I just I want the next generation to be able to be out there and enjoy it like I was, yeah. or I did, or I still do, I guess. You know, I just think, to me, that that's part of what, being on this earth is about is 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 just passing that on and making sure people understand number one that you care about them you know i want kids kids to know that i I cared about them uh, adults and i still want that to happen but i also want them to 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 see that and and say hey i want to do that as well Mm -hmm. because i think a lot of times in our life today we don't we don't pass that on very good yeah so you know i think that's something that I was fortunate in my job to, to have. Yeah. You know, it's funny, I, and I still – and I, I have that random kid. Uh, he'll see me in Walmart. Hey, Mr. Chuck, you remember me? You, you know, he, now he's 22. You taught me Hunter Ed when I was 10, and I'm thinking, you remember me? I remember you. I remember you. <laughs> and, and they do, and, and I'm like, I'm sorry. What, what was your name, you know? And, <laughs> and I still get that, but that, that's fine. I, I enjoy that. That's really cool. Super rewarding. Well – We'll move into some rapid-fire questions. Uh, and uh, first one being this. What is uh, either the last show or movie you watched, you pick one, or the last book that you read? Uh, that's last show. I, I We watch a lot of uh, crime stuff at home, you know, uh, uh, crime drama type yeah. stuff. Um Probably Top Gun 2 was the last that's movie I went to. That's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, um, I was always a Star Wars fan, oddly enough. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I like the Avengers. Yeah. Uh, I can sit down and watch either one of those over and over. My wife does not like that too yeah, much. that's good stuff. I'll tell you what, though. I have watched a lot of Sleeping Beauty lately <laughs> with my granddaughter. So uh, when she comes in and asks for Sleeping Beauty, I say, well, can I watch a little bit of the news first? So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, awesome. uh, as, far, as far as reading, I like a lot of history. Um, uh I've not really read a, a lot lately uh, because of time, but I like to read about history. I, I got a book about, uh, it's called The Journal of a Trapper or something like that. I read through it. Um, it was about a guy, basically his diary from some time, you know, back in the 1830s or 40s, and I like that time frame, and I like World War II stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm, so I'm with you. I, I, I like that. I like the history. Um. Uh, there, there's a really good book out there if anybody wants wants a good book on Arkansas. Frederick Gerstocker was a German guy who came to Arkansas in I don't remember the time frame eight, early early 1800s and basically walked through our state hunting um, and and hanging out. I think with he people. talks about him in the Nature Center. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, the book is called Wild Sports in the Far West, and Arkansas that was known was known as the Far West. Mm. But it, it really has some good references in there to to some locations you would recognize. So pretty, pretty good book. That's excellent. What was the name of it again? Uh, Wild Sports in the Far West. Frederick Gerstocker is the guy's name. Okay. Gerstocker. Excellent. Uh, what is your favorite band? Uh, I like Brad Paisley. Okay. Oddly enough. You know, he sings a lot about fishing. So, yeah, so, for sure, man. So, you uh, the country. Uh I like Carrie Underwood. I just like the way she sings. We've been fortunate to see her and Brad Paisley a few times. Um, I like uh, 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 Third Day. 
Yeah. Uh, of course, they they don't they're not together anymore. But I, I, yeah. I like but. their stuff. I like that kind of music, kind of that. Um, uh, my wife says, "What is that? You know, it'll be thirty eight special or something like that. <laughs> some of that eighties rock and roll yeah, type yeah, yeah. sound that and, in there. It's good. And uh, I like all that. That's you know, my my, my Pandora list is is thirty eight special, Johnny Horton, uh, uh, Waylon Jennings, and uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Jerry Clower. So, <laughs> that's so, so, so that's a pretty good mix. That's you know, you one. never know what you're going to get with that. <laughs> I love it. What is your favorite meal? Well, I tell you, that, you make me make some tough choices I know, here, man. Um, Putting you on the spot. Uh, I'd have to go with, uh, of course, I like a good fish fry. Um, my too. wife makes really good homemade pizza. I got to really? say, that. oh, yeah, good. You know, we use deer. So we're big pizza people, so. We, we use deer, antelope. It's just a Chef Boardy box pizza, yeah. but she makes really good pizza. Oh, that's, good. Um, that's probably one of my tops. Um, and just, uh, I like to cook whatever I can do with, with my family. Uh, you know, I, I can eat about anything. When you say Imagine fried it. fish, catfish or crappie or brim? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, we had brim last night. I, I'm pretty much, uh, uh, you know, I, working out at Keter's, always out at Keter's. At that time, we were selling to, to markets, and, and so your fish had to be fresh, or it had to have that right taste. And and uh, we would cook fish literally three to four days a week. We would cook fish just to make sure the fish we were selling tasted good. Wow, that was part of the job. I kind of enjoy that part of the yeah, job. You, you probably mastered the fish fry then, man. Uh, I'm not near as good as them guys, but. Uh, you know, some, some we're gonna have to that. have you back uh, round two just to talk about how to fry fish. Uh, uh, we can do that. We can, we can talk some outdoor that's my, cooking. That's probably one of my favorites, and we did that usually on Fourth of July every year. It's the only time I usually ever get fried fish. But but my my, my mom is making. We're, we're having my parents up tonight. She's making what's called my aunt, uh, my aunt Carolyn cake. My aunt Carolyn passed away just here a while back. Uh, Carolyn Harden. She was principal out at Grove for a good while, and and she makes this cake that is. Uh, uh, she would either do um, it was either yellow cake or or chocolate cake, mm-hmm. and it had. What we call seven minute icing. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I don't it know. tastes somewhat like divinity. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's in an icing form. Yeah. Man. Oh yeah. That sounds oh, yeah. fantastic. There you go. You said you put deer meat on a on a pizza. Is it yeah. like crumbled up like sausage yeah. or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just ground. It's deer burger. Okay. Yeah. So it's almost, yeah. it would probably look like a hamburger pizza or something. I tell you, I don't know how many people have eaten wild game at my house and not knew it, but it's been a bunch <laughs> yeah. because typically that's. What's on our our table um, most of the time? Yeah, uh, you know whether it be antelope or my wife's favorite is antelope, antelope mule deer. Um, I got some elk this year. Um, duck, we eat a lot of duck. You know, we just uh, that that's just part of coming coming to Chuck's house, I guess. Yeah, man, you remind me of the uh, meat eater. You ever watch this show? On oh YouTube? yeah, oh yeah, I, I like that. that show. I love that guy, man. Yeah. Uh, all right, what is on your nightstand right now? Uh, there are. Uh, phone charger. Uh, there is a uh, my Bible, uh, my prayer list. Uh, actually, two Bibles. There's the I like to read the the uh, uh, oh shoot the Holman yeah Holman Sander. Well, it's it's a it's a kind of a, a short commentary Bible. So oh, so okay. it's got every verse yeah. and it's got mm-hmm. just a few words about each verse. Mm-hmm. It's sitting there, uh, and a few books. By uh, random random books, I yeah, guess, yeah, yeah. and and dust. There's dust there, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so absolutely, uh, give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. Uh, just being out there. I, I don't. I don't really. You know, being out there with with my dad. Tell, I really like telling my dad, "Hey, uh, open that cooler. I got to put another fish in there." Yeah. But that's that's always fun, you know. Or telling dad. To, you know, to, to do this or do that. You know, it, it was always when I was growing up, it took me till I was probably 12 or 13 to figure out, you know, my dad always caught more fish than I did. <laughs> and it, it took me till I was 12 or 13 to figure out, well, that's because he's sitting in the front of the boat. <laughs> you know, he's up there where he can catch them. So, so I need to, now he sits in the back. So, so I tell <laughs> him to up a little bit. bite my hook and, you know, and all. No, nah, just, just being out, out there, whether it be with family I just like to have uh, time with my family, friends, um, and, and, you know, be outdoors. Just, I don't know that there's any one thing that, that just uh, stands out anymore than any other. Yeah, great. Last question, uh, what is one thing that you are deeply grateful for right now? 
uh, just my family, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, just, uh, my parents are still, still around, still have them. Um, and, and just having that, you know, the, the background that they gave me them and my grandparents, uh, having that, that, that foundation, I guess is what I'm most thankful for just overall, not only in the outdoors, but as far as uh, an approach to, to, to seeing things in the world, to the, the the faith side of it, I think all that, just that that foundation, you know, and and the fact, you know, my wife, we retired last uh, uh, June together, and her rule, she made a rule. She said the only rule I've got is you have to leave the house before I do every morning. <laughs> so uh, I get to get up and go duck hunting. She really doesn't care. So she wants me. She just said just get out of here and take the dog. <laughs> so uh, uh, you know, just not uh, just uh, family friends. Um, just, you know, it's hard. That, that's a hard question to answer because it's just a lot of stuff there. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. Well, I, thank you so much. You We'd bet. love to have you on again. I know you got so much more information you can share with us. I really enjoyed it at the time. And so thank well, you. For thank you very much. Me. Thank y'all. All right. And that was Chuck Long. Very interesting uh, podcast. He is a natural, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, like very, I very. felt like I had to do nothing. Yeah. Hey, here's a random trivia because you had me looking stuff up the entire podcast. Yes. Rayo Breckenridge, he won the 1973 Bassmaster Classic. He won $15,200 for that. Wow. Do you know how much that's worth today? No. $102,418. Jeez. That's a big win. That's a pretty big purse. Yeah, 15000 doesn't sound like a ton right now, but like, I mean, I would love it. But like $100,000 is huge for fishing. I wonder what he did with that money. Um, probably bought some tackle. It's <laughs> a lot <laughs> some of tackle. worms. <laughs> some really nice spinnerbaits. <laughs> oh, man. Way to go, Rayo. Uh, hey, if you're still listening to this, thanks so much for tuning in. If you've not already done so, please check us out on our different social media platforms. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and if you've not done this, I would love for you to go to iTunes. Just take a moment to give us a five-star rating. That helps people to find us more quickly and learn about the incredible people who are living right here in this city. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time.